0: Please pray with me. Father, what we just sang is so right. You made us to bring praises to King Jesus and to do so with a whole heart. This is the greatest joy of the saints in heaven above to say with all the gusto of a sinless soul to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And we want to join them. But we are not with them yet. Our souls are not sinless. We here have a sin nature that's still at work inside us. Sometimes whispering, sometimes shouting that sin is actually good for us and just what we need. These are lies, but sometimes we believe them. We sometimes follow these calls into sin. Your word calls us to repentance, not repentance just once, but as often as we sin. The bricks in the path to following you include repentance. And so we want to do that right now. Would you please help us right now to repent? Please open the eyes of our heart to see our own sins against you and to judge them evil and to feel remorse, and to have the conviction to change with your help. Father, at times we are hard-hearted with you. We hear you telling us what's right and good, but we stiffen our neck and refuse to bow in submission. Would you please forgive us? At times, we paint ourselves with false humility. We pretend to focus our interest on you and others, but in reality, we don't want to stop thinking about ourselves or stop wishing that others would focus on us. Would you please forgive us? At times, we are unmerciful to others who have sinned against us, Jesus commanded us to be merciful, even as you, Father, are merciful with us who have sinned against you, but we refuse to do the same. We refuse to pay the price that mercy requires. Would you please forgive us? At times, we speak ill of those you've commanded us to honor, our parents, leaders in government, leaders in church, Those older than us, would you please forgive us? We choose sin, God, because our wants are corrupt. So we plead with you now to apply the blood of Christ to our ledger of sin against you. Would you please count his mortal payment to be the payment we owe you for our sins? And we plead with you to be cleaning out the corruption in our wants. Would you, God, please so repair our wants that you would be praised by our wants and our deeds? Would you please replace our joy in following sin with joy in following you? In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Before you sit down, why don't you Turn to someone around you and tell them you're glad to be worshiping with them.
1: Well, good morning, FBC. You can have a seat. Uh, I'm George, one of the pastors here. Uh, If you're new to FBC, a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're visiting with us. Our mission at FBC is to to treasure God and and love people, and we hope that you see that here today. Uh, One of the ways that we'd love to connect with you is is through the the blue card that you got in in your bulletin. Um, this is our communication card. Here you can, on the back, you can uh, ask a question or uh, share a, a prayer request. On the front, you can update info with a new address or a new email. Mike and I were talking this morning. It's like, what can this little blue card not do? It can do almost everything. Um, so use this. Uh, enjoy it. One, way the, the, one of the ways you can connect with uh, us at FBC. Uh, one special announcement is next Sunday are our Christmas Eve services, and it's a special time for us to gather as a church family. Uh, There we'll enjoy uh, Christmas songs and worship. Uh, There'll be a children's story for our little ones. There'll be a a candle lighting section of our service as well. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to invite friends and family to join you. I've already heard of a few this morning that are inviting their their family to come with them. Um, And so... Uh, you can do the same. And so let's have a special uh, Sunday Christmas Eve service. will be at 830 and 1045. There's no Sunday school in between like past weeks, um, but those are our times for next next Sunday. If you can believe it, 2024 is just two weeks away. New Year's coming soon. And January 1st usually means you're uh, either watching some bowl games uh, or you're re-upping your gym membership. That's usually the things that happen on January one, um, and it's also a great time uh, to start a, a consistent Bible reading plan. You know, as I look back over my life, uh, I believe that reading God's words, God's word was the key to my growth as a as a believer. You know, seminary education that was great, and I'm thankful for it, but to consistently read God's word year after year, has been invaluable to, to my faith. Um, and, and it's something that uh, if you can read, even beginner re- beginning readers, uh, you can read significant portions of Scripture each day. And I don't know about you, but if I don't have a plan for the important things in life, it starts to escape me a little bit. And so out in the Welcome Center, there's a Bible reading plan. There's numerous ones that you can choose from, but we have one out there. It's a a a seven-day-a-week-but-25-days-a-month plan. So there's a little bit of flexibility in how you can read uh, God's Word from from week to week. Um, So grab one of those, uh, check it out, look it over, and even though it's only December the 17th, you can begin to decide, hey, I want to consistently read God's Word day in, and day out. So grab one of those. If you have questions about that, or if you're looking for other plans, come talk to Pastor Tim or myself. We'd be happy to help you uh, with that. We have a beginner's church as well in just a minute for our three- and four-year-olds. So if um, after I pray, uh, that'll be your cue to, after prayer, to go out these double doors, head to the right, and uh, there'll be teachers there ready to instruct the little ones during our, our sermon time of of our service. But first let's let's pray together. God, thank you for this gathering of First Baptist Church this morning. It's good to sing together, pray together, talk together. God, I pray that our eagerness to hear the word preached would grow even right now. That God, you would make our hearts ready to receive your word. God, I pray for our children this morning that are sitting here with us. God, allow them to understand much of what is spoken in these next few minutes. God, I pray that it would result in conversations between mom and dad and son and daughter. God, I pray for our teenagers in here today. Would you help them know that these words of Scripture that they hear are for them, not just for their parents, not just for somebody else down the road, but for them. God, would you help our young men and women rejoice in the good things they see in Scripture this morning? Would their faith grow in you? God, would you extend your grace to the family that's here for the first time today and to the men and women that have been here for for decades? Your word is for all of us. So let us hunger for it now. God, would it be our joy and our heart's delight to know more of you this morning?
2: church. It's good to be with you today. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here, and, and yes, hope is here. In our world today, many people, they're, they're looking for hope, anything to put their hope in. Many seek to find it in their earthly leaders. It could be a, a school board leader, a, a business leader, a, a politician or mayor, a, a, a pastor. I, I've been there. We, we think that these people will turn around our difficulties in life. We think that w- if we could just have a good leader, if we could have some sort of good ruler or king, then, then we'd have hope. Yet most of us, we, we think this sort of leader is just too good to be true. Next Sunday morning, we're going to gather to celebrate the coming of the baby who changed everything for us. And, and although for us it's already happened, it, it's, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Anticipation grows. Creation past. Cre- creation present. And, and creation yet to come has been waiting. Every living thing has been waiting, waiting for this little baby to arrive. The, the creator and sustainer of all things, the word of God, the son of God, he he came to earth. He was born like any other baby's born, yet he was different all at the same time. He, he had a lot to learn and so much to grow, yet he's the supremely wise counselor. He, he was a weak and helpless babe, yet a mighty strong God. He, he was a fragile and delicate child, yet yet an everlasting good father. He, he was the center of much controversy, yet humanity's prince of peace. He was humble, gentle, a little baby, fully human. Yet born of a virgin, he's fully divine. He, he was the very glory of God coming to earth in human flesh. He came to do that which we could not do for ourselves, to live the perfect life that the first Adam failed to do. To die the perfect sacrifice for our sins that we could never pay. And so today we're, we're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one under one of the chairs or follow along on the screens. Before I read it, let me me give you a little background. First, what do we know about Isaiah? Well, Isaiah, he was a prophet, meaning he spoke on behalf of God. He lived during the 8th century B.C., His ministry, it was pretty long. He overlapped the reign of at least four kings of Judah. Most of Israel's, uh, Isaiah's ministry uh, actually takes place in or around the city of Jerusalem. We also know that he was married and he had some kids. He was a family guy. To to give you an idea of what's going on in history, the nation of Israel, it was divided into, into two nations. Israel was the northern kingdom and Judah was the southern kingdom. Uh, in Judah, in the south, we we that's where Isaiah he lived. Things were going a little bit better than they were in the north. Isaiah spends much of his time trying to get the people of Judah, particularly the king of Judah, to see that material prosperity doesn't mean that God's happy with them. Just because they have all this stuff and all these comforts doesn't mean that God's happy with them. Doesn't mean that God approves of the way that they're living. At the same time, the the Assyrians were in power, and they're invading Israel. The the people in Isaiah's days, they were living in deep darkness. They they yearned to see light in the midst of that darkness. And so here's what Isaiah writes at the beginning of chapter 9, starting in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They, They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. And so here Isaiah, he writes these words proclaiming light, joy, harvest. But the people, they look around and what do they see? They see darkness, they see misery, they see waste, they see destruction. And they're sitting there wondering, well, how's God going to do this? How's God going to bring light and joy and harvest? And then Isaiah tells them how he's going to do it. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Friends, this is the word of God. I I can imagine what people must have been thinking when they heard this. You're sending us a child? Really? What's a child going to do to save us? I mean, think about it. Consider consider the deepest, darkest experience you've ever been through in your life to this point. Or maybe, maybe the deepest, darkest experience you could even imagine going through in your life. Now consider, if you're going through that, you might, you might go to God and you might pray something like, God, I just don't know what to do. I'm wrecked. I feel abandoned. I feel broken to pieces. I don't see any hope. I don't see any way out. I'm trapped. Maybe you take it a step further you go you go visit your pastor. And after listening to you share about the situation for a little bit and and, and just trying to understand, your pastor opens the Bible to Isaiah chapter 9 and he begins to read, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And you're sitting there thinking, what? A child? What's a child going to do to help me? Why is he reading me this passage? How does that relate to what I'm going through? Well, honestly, that's exactly how I would respond. And that's exactly what's going on in the time of Isaiah too. And if you think about it, it's exactly what's going on in our time as well. I mean, really, we're up against all sorts of stuff in our lives. For for some of you, 2023 was not a monumental year. Maybe you've had financial burdens or family drama. Maybe, maybe you, on the outside you seem to have a lot of connections, but you don't have a friend. Maybe, maybe you feel isolated. You feel alone. Maybe your marriage is just falling apart before your eyes and you feel hopeless. Like, how did this happen? Where do I turn help. Maybe you've gotten so caught up in the politics of all that's going on in our world that you've allowed it to wreck some of your friendships. And you're like, what happened? Maybe you've been diagnosed with a, a health issue and it's changed the way that you live forever. The reality is church, life is hard. With you in that. I get that. I see that. I've been there. And and, and sometimes you may wonder, I may wonder, is there hope? Is there hope? I mean, real hope. There is hope. And that's what we're looking at today. Because there's a light and there's a child. And so here's what I want you to see There's, there's five things. First is this a child came. So we must hope in him as king. A child came. So how do we respond? We must hope in him as king. But what does this mean? Why did the child come? How can he be our trustworthy king? Look back at the text to see what we can learn. Verse 6 says, For to us a child is born. Who's the us in this verse? I wanted to start with this question because I think we miss something important if we don't. Who, who's, who's the us? Yes, it's the, the Jewish people of G, Isaiah's day. But, but the us, it also refers to, to you and to me, those who have faith in Christ. Jesus, he came for us. And so it's not just those people back then. It's not just the Jews. It's, it's you and it's me. And, and I think this is really important because the context is a group of people who lived about 700 years, 700 years before Jesus was even born. But, but the text is talking about Jesus' human birth. The, the word us in this text is timeless. Jesus didn't only come for the people of Isaiah's time, he came for, for you, For me, he came for us. And he came not only to be with us, which is astounding, and he came to be with us forever, but he came also to rescue us. Look again at the text. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. Over 700 years before Jesus came into the world, Scripture proclaims the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, now the people in Isaiah's days, they were were looking for a physical king, a ruler who would dominate their enemies. Likewise, those around Jesus' time, if you read the gospel accounts, those who believed the prophecies about him, they thought that he would rise to power, finally to be the earthly king that they were hoping for. Isaiah's time, it was the Assyrians. Jesus' time, it was Rome. In fact, Jesus' own disciples thought Jesus would be that kind of king. And if you're honest, some some of you, too, may be looking for that in our country's political leadership. Maybe other kind of leaders in your life. Still, Isaiah proclaims the government shall be upon his shoulders. That means that this child, Jesus, he shoulders the law and all of its burdens. He he shoulders the responsibility of the law to fulfill the law that we're incapable to do in our own sin. He came to rescue us from our self-righteousness. Thinking we're all that. He came to rescue us from our self-justification, thinking we can do it on our own. He, He rescued us by taking the full weight, not part of it, not just little bits of it, but the full weight of our sin upon him on the cross. Our mighty God, our Savior, he's here. And that's the second thing I want you to see from this passage. Our mighty God came. And because our mighty God came, we must hope in him as king. That's our response to his coming. We we need a mighty God to save us. In fact, we couldn't be rescued without him. I want you to imagine yourself out swimming in the ocean on a warm summer day. I I know it's kind of nice to think about right now. Uh, All of a sudden, the, the weather, it turns. And the current, all of a sudden, starts to take you out farther and farther away from the shoreline, beyond, way beyond where you could swim in on your own. You start swimming to the shore. The harder you swim to the shore, the the more the current actually pulls you away. You're tired. You're you're weary. You're lost. And pretty soon, you're going to drown. But then out of nowhere comes, comes this boat, and someone reaches out a hand to pull you aboard. That's the mighty God that Jesus is. He rescues those who can't rescue themselves. Here's the thing. Some people keep trying to rescue themselves. Jesus won't rescue them. And it's not because he's unwilling. It's not because he's not strong enough. It's because of... Because they haven't yet realized that they need to be rescued. A pastor named Paul Tripp he says this. He says we we think we know ourselves well, but we don't. We assess that we are more righteous than we actually are, and because we do, we don't seek the help we so desperately need. Friends, do you need to be rescued? I do. I need to be rescued. My my sin keeps me dead in the ocean without Christ's rescue. I need to be rescued. And I believe that whether you realize it or not, you and I both need a mighty God to save us. But the good news is that's who Jesus is. And we can find our hope in him. Another description we see from the text about this child is the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor, he came. And so we must hope in him as king. Now for those of you searching for justice in the world, it's a good thing. This child, Jesus, he provides it. Jesus is just. He's the the wonderful counselor. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This baby, this child, he came to this world to establish his kingdom. To to uphold it with With justice and with righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. And he will. We can be sure of that. Because he's always just and he's always righteous and he's always wise in his counsel. That's who he is. This text is telling us who Jesus is. That he's the wonderful counselor who came to this world so that we might hope in him as King. I don't know how closely you follow uh, social or political issues. If, if you're like me, you have those moments when you don't even want to pay attention anymore. You just want to turn it off. Sometimes I do. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see all that's going on. It's so frustrating to see all that's not going on that should be going on. But, but the truth is, there are a lot of relevant and significant issues out there in our the world today. There's a ton of them. I I mean, you think about free speech and immigration and racism and abortion and and, and horrific conflicts going on around our world. The list goes on and on. You could could probably think of a dozen. And so all of these are extremely important issues. And we need to understand these issues because they're, they're relevant to the world we live in. There are, there are a lot of beneficial angles and perspectives, though, from which we can see these issues. And, and I know this might be hard for some of you to hear today, but we need to know today that we are not the judge. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. And, and really important issue. Find ourselves. You might find yourself in a position to make decisions about really important issues that are going on in our world. And so we've got to remember that we don't have the supreme wisdom and power to be the just judge. We're not the just and wonderful counselor. See, God calls us to be people who seek justice, to pursue justice, to to have a holy discontent over injustice. Injustice. But only Jesus came to complete justice. True, final, and complete justice comes through God alone and nobody else. Jesus is completely just. He's our just judge. He's our wonderful counselor. And he's your wonderful counselor too. He's the wonderful counselor that our world needs. And and that's why the, the most important way... We address these kinds of issues in our world. I, I want you to hear this today. We're, we're going into an election year, and sometimes sometimes people go kind of crazy over this stuff. This is the most important way we can handle this, is to point others to the wonderful counselor. That's the best way to handle it. And, and, and for us to look to the wonderful counselor. And so we look to him by vulnerably and wholeheartedly laying down the relevant and important and significant issues of our world before him. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't vote. It's not that we don't get involved in some way. But we put our hope and our trust in the fact that he's going to handle them rightly. Because we believe. That, that happens out of a true belief that Jesus truly is our wonderful counselor who provides just wisdom in our lives and for our world. Another description we see in the text about this child is number four, the everlasting father. He came. He came so that we must put our hope in him as King. Verse 6 again, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. How many of you have children? You can raise your hand, it's okay. Great. So, so if you do, you know the blessing that it is to have a child. You know that it's hard too. But there's a blessing there, Right? Sarah and I, we, ha- we have these friends, a married couple. They've been trying to get pregnant for a long, long time. Time and time again, the pregnancy test would come up negative or they'd miscarriage. Every, every time they got a positive test result, uh, it, it would end in a miscarriage. And so it was so sad. They, they were going through such a hard time. They wanted to have kids so badly, it was discouraging for them. Now, just a short while back, the wife actually told me that, that, that she was pregnant again, and so we, we prayed for her. We prayed for them. We prayed that this pregnancy would survive. And, and here's the great news is that this baby is growing healthy in its mommy's tummy. It's so exciting. It, it's thrilling. It, it's an incredible gift to have this new little Baby. And those of you who have been parents, you know what what a gift that is. It's the gift of life. And you're part of it. Just as a new baby being born into our lives is an incredible gift. I want you to think about this. This child being born to Mary and Joseph was a gift. But, But this child in our text, Jesus, is not just a gift to Mary and Joseph. No, he's the son of God. He's the son of man. He was born as a child, as an everlasting gift to to not just them, but to you and to me. He's the gift of an everlasting father. Now, growing up, I I thought my dad was perfect. I've come to realize he's not. At times, I've hoped that I could be a perfect dad to my boys Honestly, that's discouraged me so much because I've realized that I can't be a perfect dad for them. The the truth is, there is no perfect father in this world, with one exception. Jesus entered the world in the humility of a child to be like us in human form, to be a son. He did this to fulfill and grow up every requirement of the law before our very eyes, from his birth to his death. Jesus, he never failed, not once. He never made mistakes. He's perfect in every possible way. And so Jesus reveals in his prayer before he's led to the cross in John chapter 17 that he and the Father are one. And Jesus, he came into this world as a baby to become a man. He's human, all of him, but he's also God, all of him, at the very same time. And so Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the gift you could never imagine in this world. Jesus is the everlasting Father in the sense that he's the true and better, he does what the true and better Father actually does for his kids. Do you know what that is? He wholeheartedly and selflessly sacrifices himself for his kids. You see, Jesus, he offers you and me the true and better fatherly care that we need in our lives. That's what Jesus does. And so our hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is our connection to the everlasting Father. Finally, the main idea, last main idea. The Prince of Peace, he came came so that we must hope in him as king let me read these verses to you again for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end And so this child, Jesus Christ, came to be our Prince of Peace. He's our true and better peace. Not not just the peace that you get when you eat the delicious comfort foods or that piece of chocolate or get a good night's sleep. This is the peace that doesn't abandon you on an empty stomach or need to be refilled refilled at the conclusion of the day. See, Jesus, he promises and provides peace that lasts and endures. It doesn't subside or fade away. His peace is secure and eternal. His his peace comforts in the deepest, darkest pits of life. It does. His peace, promises to satisfy the depths of your soul. And his peace is constant. His peace will never end. So what do we do with a promise so marvelous as this? We stop fighting. We we hold up our hands and we surrender. We surrender to him. and, And we say, I'm done trying to foster my own contentment. I'm done trying to find my own happy place. I'm done trying to figure this out by myself. To experience peace, see, you don't have to run from your problems. You you don't have to keep buying more stuff to satisfy your appetite for more or the lack that you don't have. You don't have to clean every crevice of your house anymore to make it pristine. You don't have to force your kids to be quiet in that public space. All you need to do is to trust Jesus to be your peace. That's it. Jake Anderson was up here a a couple weeks ago, and he said our peace is here. Jesus is our peace, and how true that is. I I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly grateful for Isaiah. In the midst of a, a chaotic world, he paints an absolutely stunning and glorious picture of this little child who would one day come to Bethlehem. And and now, 2,000 years after this child's arrived, we can still look back. We, We can still look back on the words that God wrote through this prophet Isaiah as the source of all that we need in a desperate world, in our desperate lives. See, we won't turn to Christ, truly, until we know the desperation of our hearts. We've been waiting for hope, to put our hope in a king, and the Bible today tells us he's here. Now, Maybe for you, you don't always see how Jesus helps you in your everyday circumstances. Sometimes I struggle with that, too. So what's this child going to do to help us today? His name shall be called Mighty God because he's come to defeat our sin. He's strong enough to rescue us to be our Savior, so let's put our hope in him, church. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor because he's come to provide the best and only way for life. He's the just and righteous one. In every possible way. He's full of divine wisdom. He's our guide, advisor, and mentor for all of life. He holds the finest and greatest ideas and strategies for all time. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So church, let's follow him. His name shall be called Everlasting Father because he has come to love us. He came as a baby, grew into a man. He's fully man and fully God at the very same time. He's good and draws us into his stream of love. His love is sacrificial for us. It's so personal and perfect. He'll never let us go. He, He will graciously care for us forever, so let's delight in him. His name shall be called Prince of Peace because he has come to reconcile us even while we're still his enemies. Walking in sin. He's the one who calms the storm. He satisfies us. He comforts our souls even in the midst of life's greatest troubles. So church, let's welcome him as Lord over our lives. Friends, this is Jesus you should know him I admit to you that I don't always look to Christ in this way but looking to him is my hope he's your hope too Jesus he entered this world yes this very world in which you and I live though he was in the beginning he came He came to us. He he came as a little seemingly helpless babe. Born of a virgin. Holy and divine. An infant so tender and mild. He's, He's the son of God, loves pure light, radiant beams from his holy face. He's the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus is Lord at his birth. He's Lord over all things, all times, and all of us. Friends, Jesus is not what we celebrate at Christmas. he's, He's who? He's the child. He's the true, lasting hope for you and for me. Would you join me as I pray the words of our closing song today? Father, there is hope and grace unceasing. You withhold your wrath from us. Instead, you poured it out upon the Savior on the cross of Calvary. Thank you that in Christ there is victory all can know, for the tomb lies bare and broken and death's power is overthrown. It's Jesus Christ, our hope forever, hope unlike the world can bring. Your steadfast love is beyond all measure. Therefore, we put our hope in Christ, our King. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: I will invite you to stand as we close with There is Hope. There is hope in grace unceasing, you withhold your wrath on me, Lord, it out upon my Saviour on the cross of Calvary, and there is hope. I'm The lost are welcomed home. That's good news. Jesus Christ, my hope forever, open like the world can bring. Who are standing Precious treasure of my life, all my joy. to
2: Church, he is our hope. And so we gather and we worship him and we sing. And we we go up to the person we don't know very well and, and fellowship and connect because it's part of our worship to God. And as we've shared before, even, even our, our opportunity and joy of, of giving of the things that God has given us financially is, is part of that. And so uh, if you if this is your home church, we invite you to... Partaking that joy, that joy of giving uh, back to what the Lord is doing. And as you go today, remember our hope, the lasting hope of Jesus Christ. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is our hope. Hold on to that this week. God bless.